This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for Sports Talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Thursday, March the 7th. I'm your host, D.A., and in all the plot twists and turns that we have been through with Kyler Murray and the story of whether he's too short to play in the NFL, now comes the doozy of them all. An anonymous NFL scout tells Dan Patrick he thinks Kyler Murray faked his height at the Combine. How do you fake your height? Can you fake your height? Did he fake his height? Oh, man, this is getting kooky. Here's the Sports Junkies on 106.7 The Fan in D.C. I have a little Kyler Murray fatigue. I'll admit <laughs> it. Cake said it yesterday. The story yesterday is maybe he's faking his height. Um, you know, I know EB brought up the story of the guy that put clay under his feet. Well, that was done years like ago. You know that they probably are hip to those sorts of things. Yeah, I read yesterday in one of these stories that something about a zero gravity machine. I don't know. <laughs> why don't but they it, just make these guys? Why don't they just have the guys in a pair of shorts barefoot? I think to, to, generally, to eliminate all. I, I think generally that way they might have socks, but maybe you have to do yeah, barefoot socks, just whatever. to eliminate that. But I'll say this: maybe this is a unique take. I've also read that he went to some doctor where he stretched his ligaments, likely, to, 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 to get his hand bigger. And I don't have any problem with it. Is that even it. possible? I, I think if you read about it, you I'm find sure out that it is. I'm sure if you train yourself like, almost like a muscle, you can learn to spread your hands. You know they say, that, you know, like hands. with your Jimmy Johnson? I, I'm psyched to do that. There's like a ligament down there sometimes for people when they want enlargement surgery, okay. that they let it loose, and you can get an extra... Okay. You know, half inch or inch. Cakes so, could use it. Yeah, cakes. You hey, might want to consider. You know what? Everybody could use it. Let's not, let's not back your boy over here. You, no, but I don't have a problem with the guy. It's no different than training up for your 40. You go there and run a 40 and you run at 4'7 or something. Yeah. And they train you up. They shave two tenths off. Now suddenly you're a 4'5 guy. How's that any different than stretching out your hand? Or maybe even going into a zero gravity well, the, machine. The, the stretching because of the hand you know, seems like an, an, a really unnatural thing to do. Like yeah. if you want to improve your forty time, you go run, run a bunch of sprints, you train, but you get a coach to help you do right, it. Right, but, but you're probably if you're improving your forty time, you're probably going to stay around that speed. Yeah, eventually, well, why wouldn't you if you keep stretching your hand and doing the, whatever the exercise? I think eventually are. that hand's going to come back to, to normal, whatever it was. No, it's like lifting lifting weights. You do the bench press. To me, I think it's the same thing. I have no you, problem with it. You should just say, look. Draft me if you want. If you think I'm good, draft me. Right. If you think I'm five nine and a half, okay, whatever. If you think I'm five ten and an eighth, well, okay, whatever. I mean, he's gonna go. If he doesn't go one, he's gonna go top five or six. Right. It's so dumb, in my opinion, too. This notion that a half inch or make or break him. It's done. He's short. He's going to be one of the shortest quarterbacks in history, no matter what you measure him at. Right. He's you either short. like him or you don't. Regardless, he's, gonna, he's going to enter the league as the shortest quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. Shorter yeah. Than he's short. Wilson. Yeah. I mean, this maybe whole notion can, that maybe just because succeed. he hit this five ten threshold is any different than being five nine and a half is maybe dumb. he'll succeed, maybe he won't. But the team that drafts him knows all the red flags. He's they short. Know, 
Yeah, they know the risks. I'm with you. Somebody's going to draft him. I don't know if he's going to be a hit. He's going to be, you know, rookie of the year, or he's going to be a bust. I don't know how it's going to play out. I kind of have the fatigue. I mean, yesterday, I guess his agent and his people are coming back at Charlie. Look, Charlie Castley, he's been coming on our show for over two decades. Was a GM, won a Super Bowl with the Redskins. He's plugged in. He's not making things up. Of course not. Now, he's got integrity, too. There may be other teams who were impressed by Kyler. Like I said, there's so many variables. He interviewed with 10 teams for a half an hour. There may have been some that he was disinterested in because of the team. Maybe it's later in the day. If I'm doing 10 straight interviews, true. by the time I get to 7, it, 8, 9, 10, and I already interviewed with the teams that I want to go to, right. I'm punting. And if he's immature, which is my guess, he's immature, he's probably thinking, let's say he's interviewing with Pittsburgh or something. Right. And he goes, they got Roethlisberger. I ain't right. coming here. That's what I said yesterday. I don't even want to come here. Now, with- that's immature. It is. Right. But, but I could see that. <laughs> All right, so reportedly, Kyler Murray weighed in in his bare feet. And so you can't really fake then your height there. But clearly, we're in the middle of a crazy season with a crazy prospect because we have these crazy questions that need crazy answers. And the good news is there's only six more weeks until the NFL draft. So buckle up. We've still got plenty more time for even crazier, more bizarre theories about Kyler Murray's height and a lot more parsing of the Kyler Murray measurables. Oh boy! Last night, the Lakers lose a basketball game, but LeBron moves up the all-time scoring charts. He passes Michael Jordan for fourth all-time on the NBA's scoring list. An amazing barometer of greatness anytime that you're passing MJ, but in the middle of a lost season, this is kind of so perfectly LeBron James, that the season is a bust, and he's going to put on a brave face and talk about how happy he is while passing some of these career milestones. Joe Rose and Zach Krantz on Sports Radio 560 WQAM in Miami. How amazing is it with LeBron putting his name Amongst these greats. A lot of guys banged up right now. That team had no shot. And if you watch it early, Denver jumped out. And would they have like 40 in the first quarter, Zach? And yeah. Watching here this morning. Over in, early. Yeah. Well, they actually but came, came back, back. You're right. Came you're back. Right, it was right. kind of close. Ended up losing to Denver. But uh, that wasn't the story, obviously, when you start getting into that 30,000 points in your career range last night. He moves ahead of Michael Jordan, as you just heard. Fourth place all time, and uh, and gotta get, give him credit for that. Yeah, no, no, I agree. No, no, you know what? We, no matter, we rip him or we do whatever, we say whatever. Mike's better. You, uh, it's you get into that cat. It's the same thing. You know what it is? It, it's close to where we talk about when Frank Gore got into that top five with those names because because it's going to be impossible to ever get you know a lot of these running backs to ever get close to that. Not that no one's going to get into this top five ever scoring in NBA, but when you pass. Michael Jordan on any list in the NBA. Like, Wade just passed him the other night with blocks. Like, when you pass him, that's pretty good. And LeBron now got into a category with some of the elite of the elite in the yeah, NBA. Yeah, that's time. We all know that. Yeah. Look, at it. We, we've we been talking about it. I think it's been like this for a few years now where LeBron's right up there with the best to ever play. No matter how you feel about him, he is up there for what he's done. And uh, last night, even though his team loses again and is really starting to look like they're not going to make the playoffs, which is obviously not a good look for LeBron James, who's had this great career and been able to take every team he's had just about, it seems like, forever, and uh, put him in the playoffs. 
But last night, a 16-point loss, and uh, and it'll be all about LeBron and MJ. Every so often, they uh, they uh, end up being in the same topic because of some stat that pops up, and they'll be back at it again. So all the LeBron lovers, usually younger people, yep. and the Michael Jordan, the older, older people, <laughs> will uh, will be going at it, right? Yep. Uh, oh, no, he's better. He's better. And then MJ just goes, well, I just kind of like to talk about championships, you know? Always can get him on that, right? Right. Always ends the conversation when he says, by the way, I have six rings, and I have six NBA Finals MVPs, and I never lost the finals. Hey, you know it'd be great if MJ goes, hey, LeBron, your ass is lucky I took those two years off. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been go, eight. Give me two more years averaging over 30 points yeah. a game. You're and right. See, and see how see how those numbers look right now with, with me uh, still uh, in my prime there. But it really is amazing what Michael Jordan took time off and came back. He actually tried the baseball thing. It didn't work real well. I think it was double A, if I'm not mistaken. But he finally just said, okay. I will never I don't know we'll ever know the true story what happened there nobody really cares after all these years but uh yeah coming back and and winning three more you see how hard they are and he takes yeah. time off and and comes back and came back and won him like after he nothing. got a full year back yeah. he was like all right I'm I'm back my legs are back I got rid of those baseball legs and uh my basketball and my jump shots back let's uh, let's get rolling here I think the disappointing part here is that LeBron, in this portion of his career, is not about winning. I don't know if he's not about winning, but right now, his team's not about winning. And so, we're going to see LeBron crash and burn out of the playoffs after eight straight NBA Finals. And the only thing that he can really do to rationalize why this was a good move is to talk about all of his previous accomplishments, his previous career, and why now... He's finally surpassing some of the greats in the all-time records list. But you can't tell me that he's thrilled with this decision right now because he's going to be wondering whether this was the wrong idea. Eight straight NBA Finals being this far out of the eight seed in the Western Conference playoffs. Yeah, it's nice to pass MJ, but you'd rather do it in a win in the middle of a playoff run. Could the Antonio Brown saga be coming to an end by Friday? That's what reports say. And is it possible the Oakland Raiders are the only team bidding on A.B.? Some have said around the NFL circles that John Gruden's interested, but nobody else is. And so what do the Steelers ask for in return for A.B.? And does it make sense for the Raiders to go out and get him? Is Oakland in the middle of a rebuild or a reload? Here's the Rise guys at ESPN Radio 1320 in Sacramento. Okay, maybe they get Antonio Brown. Maybe they trade the pick that uh, they got from Mari Cooper for Antonio Brown, in which case they kind of swap those guys out. Yeah. Um, are they rebuilding? I think we assume they're rebuilding. Last year when they traded Khalil Mack, oh, they got to get draft picks, they got to rebuild. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure they are. If you're going to essentially trade Amari Cooper for Antonio Brown, mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's also been talk of maybe they'd kick the tires on Justin Houston, who's much older than Khalil Mack. It doesn't smell like a typical rebuild. No. It certainly did when they traded Khalil Mack, but yeah. I'm not sure that's what's going on. Well, it's easy for me to look at the Khalil Mack deal and say, uh, among other things, that Mark Davis said, I can't pay that. I know what he wants, so we can't do that. Uh, we might be able to starting in you know 2020 in Vegas, but I can't do it now. And it's possible that they're looking at Antonio Brown and saying, relative to Khalil Mack, he's going to cost way less because we're talking about a couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll, we'll front load him some dough, but we don't have to do the Khalil Mack 
forever contract that he wanted that the Bears were happy to do. So I don't know if they were ever rebuilding. I mean, I never thought trade and Khalil Mack meant they were rebuilding. I always thought it meant they were cheap, that, that, that Mark Davis was just saying, I can't do that. But they certainly gave the impression that that's what it was about. Well, you can spin it any way you want to, but I don't. there's nothing about the rest of the roster that would make you think that. Well, there was last year when he brought in all the older players and then said, yeah, yeah, boy, we don't have anybody here. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to retool the whole, and that wasn't a quote, but he said, we need talent everywhere. Right. Right? Yeah. The impression, oh, okay, he said he's going to tear it, it down. But, but I don't think that's what he's doing. No, and I don't know exactly what last year was even about. It could have been that he was just trying to change the mindset in that camp. He was trying to throw Reggie under the bus. I mean, they still think that staying in Oakland another year, which they're close to but not at the finish line mm-hmm. on their lease, uh, means that they might have a chance at Marshawn Lynch for another year. That's not a rebuilding move. Right. So I don't, I don't think they are. I know what he said. But there wasn't ever any action on that roster that would make me think that that's what they were actively doing. I know this is a big draft. When you hold four... 24, 27, and 35, you know, that's that's a lot of ability to get better in a hurry, but I think Gruden would deal one of them. In theory it is, but you know how it is. Teams that have tanked oh, yeah. in other sports have proven you got to do it more than one year. If you just put all your eggs in one year's basket, right. there's a good chance that you end up with a bunch of picks in a year that doesn't have that many good players That's in it. right. What happens if it's one of those yeah. years? Like this year for quarterbacks, one of those years. Mm-hmm. If you're picking 24th, You're not getting a quarterback that anybody thinks is going to help you anytime soon. This is a fascinating question. Is Antonio Brown going to suddenly be happy in Oakland with that scenario? You've got a 4-12 Raiders team. 4-12. That might be worse this year than last year with all the rookies they'll have on the roster. Also, Derek Carr has been wildly inconsistent. You've got a head coach that you don't quite know whether he's there just as a mascot until they get to Las Vegas and for the new fans in Sin City, or if he's really out there grinding every single day. And you've got a franchise that is one foot out the door. So is Antonio Brown going to be happier in Oakland? Uh, yeah, I think not. In Boston, Kyrie Irving is being mentioned on some amazing lists, you know, like most hated Celtics ever. Oh, and how about most hated Boston athlete ever? Double O. Here's Dale Arnold and Rich Keefe on WEEI Radio in Beantown. Is there a more talented, more annoying, more egocentric, less likable star in the history of Boston sports? My answer is no. And I know I'm that trying to, I'm trying to think, you know, back through. So and... some of the ones that he kind of throws out there without reading the entire article. Manny Ramirez, which I don't agree with, but that's just me. I love Manny. He was hugely likable. I, was, he was ex- I mean, maybe the end was poor, but the whole time he was here was fantastic. He mentions Clemens, Carl Crawford, Carl Everett. I love Carl Everett. Adrian Gonzalez. Carl that Everett was different. Was a bit of a whack job. He was. He was nuts, but did people like hate him? Or were they annoyed yeah, they, by everything? They didn't like him, but but I, he wasn't as talented as Kyrie Irving. So here's if, some- if we're trying to combine both annoyance factor and talent. Right. Irving wins. Right, because Irving's a superstar. Everett right. was a nice player, but he wasn't a superstar. Adrian Gonzalez, though that was very mm. short-lived. Yeah, probably not. That didn't even count. Here's one for you, Dale. Ally Afraidy? Mm. No. What? I, uh, I, again, I'm not sure how many people even remember Ally Afraidy played here. Here's a good one. Uh, Adalis Thomas. 
No, no, that one's that one's people close. didn't like him though. Yeah, and, but it's not Kyrie. Thanks, thank you. Well, I just don't think he was anywhere on the talent level as Kyrie. No, but he he arrived with a certain reputation of being a great player. I'm not sure he was, but he had that reputation when he got here. And boy, did people turn on him. He puts Kurt Schilling and Pedro Martinez on here, which makes no sense to me. Well, Schilling, I could see. Martinez, after the fact. Schilling, yeah, after, after, no, when Schilling was a player Oh, no, here, they, they, they loved, loved him. The guy who showed up to break the 86-year curse, yeah. according to the, the truck like commercial. Sounds like a Shaughnessy hit piece. Like it kind of is. Yeah, he has Nomar on here. Nomar, no. I would not put Nomar on there. Again, it ended kind of poorly for some of these guys, but guess what? It's going to end even more poorly when Kyrie just leaves in free agency for the Knicks. He has Chad Johnson on this list. I think he was so out of sight, out of mind that year. People didn't even know he was here. Didn't, he certainly didn't hate him. You were like, okay, I thought maybe you get more out of him. Now, one of the guys he puts on here is David Price. And I would say oh, that's that is, fair. without question, the closest as far as picking out things that he would say and just saying, are you kidding me with this guy? And just the relationship he had with the media and then even the fans, that was definitely true. Although the one glaring difference I would see between the two is that David Price was always, always loved by his teammates. I he can tell loved you from his teammates. Now, I, I have not been in the Celtics locker room, so I yeah. don't know what they think of Kyrie Irving. I'm talking from afar and out of my butt. Yeah. But I've been in the Red Sox clubhouse, and I've seen David Price is wildly popular with his so team. So they like him, and he likes them. Yes. Whereas Kyrie Irving... I don't know if it, there's a hatred. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna suggest there's the hatred, but I feel like he doesn't get along with everybody. Again, there's an Ian O'Connor article, and he was following the team for a while, and it sounds like off the court, Kyrie only talks to Tatum. Like doesn't even talk to the rest of the team. At least that's the sense that I have. So I think Price is actually. Sean Rondo might have been in that category here. I mean, is there any way this could end well for Kyrie? Is there any way with a deep playoff run, perhaps an NBA Finals run, perhaps even an NBA championship that Kyrie decides to stay and that the Boston faithful is now totally embracing him and he becomes a legend in Boston? I don't think so. I think once they turn on you, that media and that fan base is not easy to warm back up to, if not impossible for them to warm back up to you. And so, Kyrie, with all of the bridges you have burned and the goodwill that you have burned through, I wouldn't assume you even want to come back, depending on how this season ends up. In Philadelphia, frustration about their basketball team. The 76ers go to Chicago and lose to the lowly Bulls on a last-second shot. And the 76ers just a shade above the Celtics for the fourth seed of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Without that, they not only would have to play the Celtics in the first round who totally own them, but also do it without home court advantage. So who's to blame about the Sixers being unable to hold leads and beat a bad team like Chicago? Here's Joe DeCamera and John Ritchie on WIP in Philly. Brett Brown last night looked, the end result, it looks terrible for Brett Brown. Right. But do not ignore the fact that these players when it really mattered, we were up by 10 points with, what, Couple five, minutes. five yeah. minutes left in the game? Another typical These, Sixers loss. Every single John. time. Yeah. Listen, I you, you know that I, I pause the, the games and rewind. I know you do. And so I always finish the game way after it, it normally finishes. Yep. Every single game, it feels like, I get alerts on my phone saying, with two minutes left... 
It's yeah. Sixers 100, Bulls 99. Right. You know, it's always like that. It, it this it, I know that we're up. I it, you know, halftime we're up. Third quarter we're up. Every time I get this alert, the alert that says the Sixers can't put teams away. It's so consistent. And my contention with you, Joe, is you're putting this on Brett Brown. I'm putting this on the players. The hmm. players last night didn't do their job. And I don't know what Brett Brown's telling them. I don't know what Brett Brown drew up on his little uh, you know, grease board on the sideline that I saw Ben Simmons run up and basically almost knock it out of his hand. He's trying to show Jimmy Butler what to do on a play. Ben Simmons comes up and and bats it away. I saw Ben Simmons not give any kind of effort to stop Zach Levine as he drove to the hoop that was to put that game away. Yep. Yes, it was a terrible switch defensively with Mike Scott and and Jimmy Butler. Right. You know, like you're seriously no one's gonna no one's gonna swap that. It's it's the guy who scored 39 points. Yeah, it was Mike Scott's fault. Yeah, it was yeah. it was Mike Scott's fault. But you know when it. it when you're out there, it's, you have to make up for your teammates' mistake. Jimmy Butler could have made up for that and didn't. I'm not going to put that on him. I like the fact that he took responsibility for it, actually. I don't like a lot of the stuff Jimmy Butler did after the game, by the way. I don't like the way he pouted and was impetuous. Yes, I understand that's your former team. It's frustrating. Uh, he played pretty well. I like that, that he kind of kept it under control, but... He, he was acting like a baby out there for stretches. You know, when he stormed off the field, the court, and he's the only guy way back in the in the locker room when everyone else is trying to get the, the team together. The hey, first, guys, the, we're still playing the game. The first time the game ended. Yes, the yeah, first time. Yeah. But my point, Joe, is Brett Brown feels like the culprit. Brett Brown is not. These players... Need to do a better job, and really, my sights, my, you know, uh, in my crosshairs, yep. more than anyone is Ben Simmons, the guy that man Brett Brown will defend till the end, no yes, matter what. Might cost him his job. Yeah, you're might, right. Might cost him his job. I, I agree with you. I totally agree with you on that. Ben Simmons last night, what a lackluster job, especially at the end of the game, defensively. What a lackluster job on those two inbounds passes. With the game in the balance, terrible first decisions, second execution, the passes themselves were were not good. Uh, I I just can't I can't get my head around the fact that everyone wants to take the easy way out on this one and say it's Brett Brown's fault. How can you trust the 76ers going into the playoffs? They are consistently owned by the Celtics. So in a four five matchup in the first round. Could you possibly have faith, even though as bad as the Celtics have looked this year, that Philly would turn it around and turn it into a series win? Then you get into the second round, and you're going to face either Milwaukee or Toronto, more than likely. Do you trust the 76ers against either one of those deep and talented teams? I do not, and so I think there's starting to be some anxiety in Philadelphia about the 76ers team being good. 
but not good enough and perhaps losing a couple of their free agents in the offseason. Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris both would be free agents after the season. And we'll wrap up with the AAF because that's what we do around here on Around the Dial. The Alliance is heading into week number five, and Dennis Erickson has done it all in his coaching career winning national championships at Miami, coaching in the NFL, and now he's with the Alliance. We think about the AAF as a pipeline for players to try to get back into the NFL, but how about coaches as well? Here he is on the Dan Cilio Show on 97.3 The Fan in San Diego. Dennis Erickson here, recently inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame, head football coach of the Salt Lake City Stallions. Saturday down there in Mission Valley, they'll take on ESD Fleet. Coach, are you enjoying yourself? Having a lot of fun, man. I, you don't know how much you miss it until you're out of it for a while. And I retired, came back, retired. Now I'm back again, and and uh, you know it's a void in my life when I'm not doing it. So, you know, I'm going to try to do it as long as I can, as long as I'm healthy enough to to do it, and as long as I can teach those young guys about football and life in general and competing and that kind of thing. Then I'm going to do that. You know, coach, too. I I, I got to think that this is a great opportunity for you to like be teaching also the coaching game to other coaches. I, I, I don't want to just like put it on just the players too, but this has to be a great springboard for potential coaches that want to stay in the game, get in the game, understand what coaching is all about. I mean, learning from guys like you, Mike Martz, and Steve Spurrier, and some of the guys that are in this uh, league here, I mean, we're not talking about guys who have had no experience. We're talking about quality head football coaches and college football coaches that know how to put a team together. And if I was an upstart coach, I'd want to be involved in this league. And that's exactly right. I was able to bring back uh, you know, some of the guys that coached for me uh, through my career. And, and, and then again, there were some young guys that uh, – that I knew about that uh, wanted an opportunity. And, and so I was able to kind of split that and bring some veterans in here and then bring in some young guys, and some enthusiasm guys that want to continue to learn. And, and, and I have four or five of those guys and it's, and it's, and it's fun, but you, you know, there's some guys that coach with me for a long time and, it's great to be back with them also. Finally here uh, this weekend against uh, the SD Fleet and Mike Martz, another challenge for you because, again, you know Coach Martz is another one of those guys at different formations, the Skies formations, and how he approaches the game. The Fleet are playing some pretty good football. They stumbled last week. But, um, again, another good football team, another well-coached team. Oh, without a question. I've got a great deal of respect for Mike. I've known him since the, since the mid-70s. So him and I go back a long ways and, and – uh, He's an outstanding coach. That's obviously proven by his track record. You know, the greatest show on turf. But he's he's doing it a little bit different right now. He's uh, running the ball a little bit more. But like you said, Dan, he's shifting and motion and you know all the same stuff he did. And uh, they're very explosive on offense. And uh, you know we're going to get my old quarterback playing against us, Mike Berkovicia, who I recruited at Arizona State. He was he was there my last year. He didn't play, but he redshirted. But he's a very talented kid, and, and so you know they're going to throw it because he because he can fling. He's got an NFL arm. So, uh, but uh, Mike uh, Mike's one of the best that's ever coached, and I have great respect for him. And it'll be fun to compete against him. See, this is what the alliance is great at: being a theater system for everybody, not only players but also coaches and also officials. And plenty of staffers as well. Cut your teeth in the Alliance. 
with the dreams of getting to the NFL. I love it, and for that, I think there's a place in the sports landscape for the AAF. Yep, that'll do it. That's your best in sports talk for Thursday, March the 7th. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 